All right, John 15 is where we're at uh, this morning. John 15, and we're going to uh, piggyback a bit off of the lectionary reading from John 15. And I wanted to say, you ever just had um, maybe a bad day or maybe some bad circumstances to happen to you? I'm sure all of us have met that from time to time. Maybe you uncovered that someone was lying to you or doing you wrong behind your back. It's not ever a good thing. It doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to be in that kind of place where we feel like all of a sudden we have an enemy that we didn't even think was an enemy. And it's fascinating that our first lectionary reading from Psalm 22, it sounds victorious, but it does not begin that way. Do you remember what Psalm 22 begins with? It's Jesus on the cross, what he quotes, and they knew how it ended, which is why he quoted it on the cross. But he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But notice the psalm doesn't end up like that. And our circumstances don't have to end up dreary either. We have hope, and we talk, we've been talking about this, resurrection hope and the effects of the resurrection. And so we're calling this sermon series Easter Effects, but it's just, it's amazing. He's talking about everybody's going to come and talk about and see the saving deeds of God, but that's not where it began. It began in the garden when he said, your will, not mine, and then the crucifixion, then the resurrection, then we get the praise and the victory. So if you're anything like, if your week's been anything like my week, then, um, You'll know how it feels to be hurt by people and this sort of thing and lied to or whatever else may have. And Jesus knew that same thing, but it doesn't have to end like that. That, that, That's that's hope, isn't it? Anybody? I mean, does anybody ever meet that stuff from time to time? Maybe maybe I'm just alone. So, you know, you can say amen every once in a while. You know, it's it's okay to do that. Or remember. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Remember what we you know, when I came back from Haiti, remember, they do this number. So they just. They do a wave offering. They're like, oh, yeah, baby, you're on, you own, you know. So, But just to sit there like this, I, I don't really know if you're with me or not, you know. It's like I tell my students, you don't have to talk in class, but, like, talk with your face. Just be like, what was that? You know, that way I know to move on. Like, eh, that, no, that's not working, you know. You don't have to say anything, but anyway. All right. Notice here, we've already heard the reading about Jesus saying, I am the true vine. I want to pick up in verse 8 now. Notice these words of Jesus. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let us pray. Jesus, wow. 
You love us. I mean, we could say amen to that and leave. That's enough. You love us. That changes everything. But Lord, we know that some people don't know that. Some people that have heard it don't know it. Help us today to come out of hiding to see you for who you are and what you would have us to be doing so that we might prove to be your disciples. We pray in your name. Amen. There's a lot of studies happening uh, sociologically, psychologically that are telling us people are very lonely in the Western world, the European world, the American context. You say, that's, that's crazy because there's millions of people around. That's crazy because we have these little devices that connect us to people all over the world. 24-7, by the way. They never go off. If they do, your life ends, Right? At least that's what I've heard. Mine's never going up. I'm just kidding. But, and yet we're more lonely than ever. People are, studies showing that we, we feel lonely in a crowd. We feel lonely in our own homes sometimes. Loneliness has been on the rise. And the latest study says that one in four people say they have no one that they can confide in. One in four people. Nobody that I can really, conf- like, really be me. And really tell you what's going on with me. Well, there's many reasons for this, but one has to be the rapid change that we've seen in the 20th century on into now the 21st century. Technology excelled. Life expectancy up. And we just do things different now. And it's such a quick turnaround. I don't know that we've adjusted just yet. And people are lost in the space between. We're moving at a more rapid pace. I mean, don't you agree with that? We all wish we could go back to days where we sat on the porch and reviewed our day. We don't even have a porch anymore. Except around back, gated in and fenced off. And better not come back there, man. Get off my property. We live in larger homes than ever, we're told. With fewer people in them. And this affects us. I mean, I'm not, you know, right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It's our context that matters. This is where we live. Whereas the rest of the world doesn't have the fortune or maybe the ability to live like that. They live in very small homes with a lot of people. And you have to get along with each other in those circumstances. You can't go to your room, get on your phone or your computer and do your own thing. Most of history was like that. Now, does that make most of history better than us? Not necessarily. They had their issues too. Every generation does. But we ought not look at our generation and say, just because we have technology and this and that, that we are better than them. Generational snobbery, as it's called. And then add to that, that Americans are very fierce about their privacy. You know, we all have an understood space, right, between us, you know? You walk up into my space, you know, like we used to call in in high school, get up in my grill. And um, 
I got to back up a little bit, man. You better get off me. You know, like, what's going on here? Like, I don't know why you're getting so close to me, right? Um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that surprised me when I was in India. You know, it's just like, boom. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then I turn this way, and boom. You know, and then this way, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, all right, guys, uh, I'm American now. Remember that, okay? You know, I got to have some room. And then he grabbed my hand, and we walked across the street, you know. So, you know. All right, uh, new experience, you know, noted. Um, we're just different. It's our context. There's no way to change some of these things, but there are things to be done to make sure people are not getting hurt because what we know is they are. They're lonely. They feel like they don't have anyone. And of all people, the church needs to be doing our job to break in. To break in and say, hey, look, you don't have to live Just this American pattern. There's more than that. There is the kingdom of God. There is the good news of Jesus Christ. The way of Jesus. And it's not the way of the world. And it's not a lonely way. Notice Jesus was even concerned with them being lonely, wasn't he? He tells them, I'm going to be with you to the end. Don't worry. I'll be there. By my spirit, I will be there with every single one of you. Loneliness should lead us to band together when, in fact, it turns us inward. And then we get in this cycle where we just can't get... It's like a cave. You just keep going deeper in, and there's no meaning in there. It's just darkness. <laughs> I just thought of a joke, but I don't know if it's, I should share it or not. But anyway. Um, Christianity is unique because... The Bible says God is light. I mean, how does the Quran come into the world? Muhammad tells us clearly, at night in a cave. That's not biblical, folks. He calls us out of the caves. Not into them. That's why I told some people the other day, I said... That's why Christians think it's a little shady. Get it? Okay. It went over better with them, so whatever. That was the funny joke that I thought about sharing, and then now I'm rethinking it, but cat's out of the bag now. So, no, this is a, this is, listen, light, community, relationships. You say, that scares me. Correct, because you're American. Truly. I mean, we just, I'm serious. There's a grid that's placed on us. It's called culture. And we have to sometimes fight against culture. We can't just acquiesce and be it. And that's it. Listen, there's other people all around the world. It's not just America only. And it's not just Huntsville only either. We have our own little cultures here in Huntsville. And it's not that culture's all bad. But it's called to be redeemed. Everything needs to be redeemed in this world. It's not that you have to start using your phone. It just needs to be redeemed. Or sacrificed, some would say. Um, You know, real simple message here today, just really more so to remind you, being a disciple of Jesus is about following Jesus. You just heard it. It's about starting to love Jesus And don't stop until you see him face to face. 
I mean, you heard it out of the mouth of a, of a child. And interestingly, the way of Jesus is Jesus. Don't you love that? He always does this kind of thing, right? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a sacrifice for sin for you guys. And I'm the sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to have a priest that mediates between God and man. Well, I'm, I am that priest because I am God and man. There's going to be a true prophet coming. I am that prophet. I am, I am, I am. Right? I mean, this is right here in the... T- I am the vine. You are the branches. What it means to be a disciple is connected to Jesus, following Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you something. If you don't know already, there's no way to follow Jesus without other people. I, I, there's just not. He didn't leave that open. There are faiths where you can do it yourself. Really, I mean, you know, so they say. You know, it's just about realizing that you always were Buddha. No, no, the deeper you go inside, the deeper the cave goes. The deeper the darkness and meaningless loneliness. No, you don't need to go find yourself. You need to find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you'll find people thrown in because he never disconnects himself from people. That's why the other religions have such a hard time with with really believing in the incarnation is what kind of God would mix himself up with people? You met people recently? We're a mess. Why would, I mean, you know, maybe blow something up or something. That's a fantastic way to do it, but no. No, he comes and becomes one of us and humbles himself. Washes their, what kind of God is that that would wash their feet? It's almost embarrassing saying he's knocking at the door. If you're the most powerful man in the world, you don't knock on a door at all. You don't touch a door. You ever seen the president walk into somewhere or a king? They just walk in because other people open the doors. Here he is. This God is humbling himself enough to knock on my heart. Asked to come into this life. Your life. Their life. What what kind of God? Sometimes we just read the script. Ho-hum. Man, we need a jolt of something called the Spirit. Who is a person. (laughs) And personal. That's right. And should be treated as such. At least according to Jesus. A precious person. You know, he says clearly here in the text, the way that we prove that we're disciples is that we are bearing much fruit. What kind of fruit is Jesus concerned with? It has to be people. Right or wrong? I mean, is he concerned with buildings? Did you ever see him in a building plan? Does he mention anything about you know, man, we, I can't wait till we get some land, bro, and build this legit place. I mean, you know, it's going to be, the lights are going to be per, fog machine. The only thing he said about a building, honestly, that I can think of right now, you can correct me later, don't do it right now, is he looks at the temple and says, hey, guys, you see this wonder of the world? Because remember, Herod had made it a wonder of the world at the time. Beautiful, massive stones, architecturally amazing. He says, every one of those stones are going to be brought down. It's going to be destroyed. Bulldozed. He's not concerned with buildings. He's not concerned with budgets. He owns everything. 
When we give, that's out of our own overflow of how thankful we are to him. And what a jo- if you haven't found the joy of giving, this is not about, you know, this is not a sermon on giving, so just chill out. But if you haven't found the joy in giving, like, if it doesn't bring you joy, then let, you need to pray. I mean, you can even stop giving if you want to. Trust me, he owns everything. I'm, nobody's worried about anything, okay? We don't have to worry. That's how we can give freely. It's freely giving. He's just asking us to. He's not, de- notice, again, I hate to keep bringing in Islam, but you have to give. Not here. Nobody's going to make you give. It's free. It's, free for, it's, it's joy on our part. No, not, not buildings, bodies, or budgets, as we say in church world. He's not interested in those things necessarily. Not in the numbers, but instead in real followers of Jesus. What is a disciple? It's somebody who is following Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus. You actually cannot be a disciple if you're not also making disciples. They're just, that's why I say you cannot follow Jesus without involving yourself in the lives of others. Look, I like having a backyard that I can retreat to and, you know, a house that is big to us and, you know, we filled it with five other people, but I like all those things. But that's not what we're called to do is just have a bigger house and a better backyard to hide in. I mean, is it? We're not, we're missing, something's missing. And this is why backyard discipleship has to be the name of the game. It's not on a large scale. It's not going to happen on a large scale. It's about the small things. It's about the people that are right under your nose already. There are people who are hurting around you, around me. They're, they're lonely. Now, get this, because this, this, mm, this is the bad part. They show their loneliness in many different ways. They lie to you. They mistreat you because they're putting up barriers. But notice how God has treated you. When you did all that stuff to him, does he just oh, forget you? That's a waste of time, man. You know, does he walk? He doesn't do that kind of thing. We shouldn't give up on people. So e- even when they mistreat us, does that sound familiar? That sounds like, a, sounds like a word from Jesus. Even those who despitefully use you, pray for them. It, it doesn't. It doesn't help the situation to treat people back how they've treated you. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it is the truth. It just doesn't. What ends up happening is something starts growing in you that shouldn't be there. And then you're not going to be able to control it later down the line. And that's why forgiveness is something that's amazing for us. It's It's crazy, but it's a gift for us. You don't, I don't have to be controlled by other people. That's good news. I don't like to be controlled by other people. When people tell me something to do, I just don't like to do it just because they said it. And it's just like back in the day, they're like, clean your room. I'm like, well, it looks like a disaster, but I don't want to. We just have something in it. It's called sin. It's called a bent toward doing what Marshall wants to do and whatever, insert your name, wants to do. No. Notice how many times Jesus is so concerned with what the Father thinks. He's, he's 
self-deferential. He's not about himself. He's about the Father. He says, I got to go, guys, because I just read 14, chapter 14, too, this morning. Same thing. I'm going to leave because I'm going to send another who is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to rock your world. He's going to breathe over those dead bones and make you alive. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, my goodness, we even know Jesus through other people, don't we? Our salvation started in someone else. A disciple of Jesus. You weren't just, I guarantee you weren't just walking around or meditating under a tree and found Jesus. It was what somebody said to you. It was a scripture verse, maybe a song that was given. Something your grandmother or grandfather taught you to do or your parents. No, you don't get it from just looking at trees. We can't stop short at the creation. Go on to the creator. And the creator is known in personal ways. By persons who are filled with the Holy Spirit and abide in his love. Notice the language, abide, live in his, dwell, rest, rest in his love. Does anybody need rest? I don't just mean physically. Some of you are like, absolutely. You know. But I mean in your, seriously, some, I've had people, you know, do nasty things to me or to us or say something, you know, or just act like they're all big and bad. And I just, sometimes the Lord allows me to look behind that and see that they're just really tired, you know? It's, you know, I just, they're frustrated. I mean, if you're, if you're spinning around in a circle, that gets frustrating. I wonder if the Lord could help somebody in here see today somebody that's doing you wrong in a different light. Or has done you wrong in a different light. In the light of Jesus Christ. You know, we got to a point in our family this week where... <coughs> um, we just... Ha- you know, we got to a point... I- I'm not going to tell you all the details or everything, but we just... Jessica and I were stressed out, frustrated, and, and began to take it out... We could tell on our kids, and I, we just all hit the ground and literally got on our knees and, uh, let me pull that picture up, Bob, and got on our knees and prayed. And uh, Jessica snapped a picture as we were doing that. Um, well, not everybody's on their knees because they're too short, but <clears throat> um, you get the point. They're all bowed down before God, right? And, you know, we just, you know, we do our little devotional time and stuff like that, but it, it you know, sometimes it, it's good just to cry out to the Lord. You know what I mean? Just break the pattern and cry out to him. And that's what I did. I just, you know, started praying. Everybody, everybody prayed. Every single person prayed in the house. And, uh, you know, we asked for forgiveness for just getting, you know, letting, letting life get in the way of, of even being a good parent, you know. Um, hopefully we're not the only ones uh, in the room like that. But, you know, and... That's, that's what discipleship looks like in a home. That's what it looks like in a home. It, it's admitting, hey, you know what? We got to follow Jesus, guys and girl. And, you know, we don't always do a good job of it. But what is he, we ask this question, what is he trying to teach us through this, you know? 
We don't want to be in this situation. We prayed before we got in this situation, and there was no red light. There were no red lights. It wasn't like God said, stop. I mean, he's done that to me before. No, he just let us walk right into it, and here we are. And he says, you know, this is not so much about what's going on, but what I'm wanting to do in here. And what I'm wanting to teach these little people. I got a bigger lesson going on than your stupid little problem. And in the ultimate scheme of things, it is a stupid little problem. It's just building and mortar. These are precious souls. That I'd give my life for in a heartbeat. I'd throw it all in for them. That's how we're supposed to love other people. I don't know how to all do that. I can't, this is not like a, I don't, you know, you can look at my notes, they're kind of scattered. There's no three step to this. I hate to tell you. This is being led by the Holy Spirit of God himself in your life. Not reading a book and trying to emulate that. What do you want me to do, Jesus? Me. You to me. Me to you. Books are fine, all that kind of stuff. I've got plenty of them. But they've never helped me as much as Jesus himself. (laughs) So anyway... um, so Jesus has, in fact, taught us a pattern, though. He wants us to gather in worship. He wants us to scatter into groups. This is all biblical and matter to the city, to the community, to our world. Worship is our response to him, point blank. What, what did Job do when everything was going down the toilet? He praised him. I'm going to worship you, man, because I don't know what else to do. You know, you ever, I mean, that, that, I don't know what to do. It's out of our hands now, so might as well worship. Because it's going to have to come from you, Lord. That's what we're doing. In here. That's why we gather here. We want to worship with our brothers. and say, But it can't just stop here. You see, it can't, this is not, a, this is too big of a group. It's got to be smaller than this. You've got to be connected in smaller ways You say, why is that? Jesus preached to the multitudes, yeah. But notice how much the Gospels, which are the life of Jesus for us, focus on his disciples, the twelve. And then the three. Now you've got to break it down further than that. The scattering is into groups. And they, they don't have to be organized by the church. I love to hear about a new group that sprung up. I heard about that the other week. I was like... Seriously, y'all are getting together and praying and talking to Jesus together, just three of you? I don't want to have to organize everything. That's not my job. I'm not an organizer. Everybody said amen. No, <laughs> um, that, you know, everything shouldn't be organized from the church. Let's be led by the Spirit. We don't have to be organizing stuff, doing nasty conflict business, not with the Spirit. Not filled with the Spirit. Not full of joy. Not with this kind of mission of discipleship. Reminding ourselves that there's no way to be a disciple unless I'm making a disciple and following a disciple. That's the pattern of Jesus. (laughs) So, resurrection affects our gathering, our worship. Doesn't it? It has this morning. Had some guys just get back from uh, an Emmaus walk and... You know, 
One of them lit up the prayer right here, right? I mean, you see, we need the Lord to awaken us. We get to sleep. We're asleep at the wheel sometimes and we need it. Oh, yeah, right. We're supposed to be driving. I forgot. We need this. Resurrection affects our scattering. Where we scatter, with whom. Not always just with friends. It's not about finding a group where you feel comfortable always. Why we scatter? To be witnesses. All over the city, in different places. I mean, our church, we bank on the fact that you're going to get connected with other people because this is not enough. The church isn't open here during the week necessarily because the church is supposed to go outside of these rooms. It's not just being contained in this building. You are the church, so be the church. Resurrection affects how we matter to the community as well. We got to serve. I mean, Jesus served. It's not, it's not how many people serve you. That's not the measure of greatness. Measure of greatness is how many people you are serving. There's a lot more to be said, but I'm going to land here. You say, all right, I'm in. I'm ready to follow Jesus, baby. Let's do this. Where's the curriculum? You are the curriculum. Your life is what other people need to read. So you're in a small group with some people, you're supposed to be the curriculum ultimately. Now look, curriculum's great and everything. I'm not down in that. But I'm saying ultimately, Jesus didn't publish a book. Instead, he lived a life. And he invested that life in people. And those people invested their life in people and those people invested their life in people, 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 people. It's 2018. And we're still investing in people. Just trying to carry out the mission of Jesus. Because we know Jesus through those other people over 2018 years. And the world behind us or in the future is also going to know Jesus by our curriculum. How we live our life. Not just what we know. Everybody, that's the, that's the easy, trust me, the easy part is what we know. It's living out what we know. Ah, whoo, that's, that's the nasty part. But that's where people are watching, aren't they? You can say that you know something all day long. You can say you love people all day long, but until they see it in you, they won't believe it. We need to abide in Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branches. And when we do that, we're going to have joy. His joy. And then he says, this is my commandment. In other words, remember, if you abide in my love, you're my disciple. If you obey my commandments, here's my commandment. Love one another. Because I've loved you. The way is narrow, let me just tell you. It's not an easy way, but it's the best way. <laughs> That's a lesson, isn't it, in itself? Sometimes going the easier way is not, trust me, in the end. Now you got to pull it all back up. 
redo it. No, this is a narrow way. Like, you ever been in one of those fat man squeezes, like, in a hiking trip? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Like, they call it like a fat man squeeze, you know, where you have to just literally... I mean, you, you know, when you go on a trip normally, like, we're preparing to go to Mexico and all. I'm going to try to prepare a lot of stuff, you know, to carry with me and everything. You can't carry anything through a fat man squeeze. <laughs> you barely get yourself through there. The way's narrow. We need to leave all that garbage behind and trust in Jesus. I don't know how else to say it. You've got to trust in him with your life. Even when you can do it, when you can pay the bill, you need to trust him somehow. And I mean, what, what would it look like? I don't know. What would it look like to invite other people into your life? I, you can give me all this. You already know them. I got five people already that we invite every day into our house and life. But what if we invite more? Yeah, it'll be imposition. It'll be work. Money, sacrifice, but I just, you know, I think Jesus calls us to welcome the stranger, the lonely. Look, you don't have to do it to 100 people, just one. Let's just start with one. Who are you going to look to this week to try to encourage? People are hurting. You've been there before. Just because you're out of that now, don't, don't look back down on them. Let's let Jesus change us. Let's get off that narrow Broadway on to his narrow way that leads to life. Let him prune you this week. Let him prune me. <laughs> um, and I just want to end with this challenge. Let's pray the prayer that is, is uh, given in, in, the, in Psalm 25, actually is where it is. And what he says in Psalm 25 is he says this, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Make me to know you. Think about that. Could we say to the Lord today, whatever it takes, Lord, if you need to chop off a couple things in my life, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Would you allow him to do that today? To get out the shearers? Start cutting away at things? He wants to make you his disciple. He wants his joy in you, his love in you. Let him today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.